Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. That each of us who have called to be leaders, right, have to live set apart from the rest. Now, this sometimes gets challenging for people. Well, what do you mean by that, Pastor Scott? Are you, you talking, I just got to go and give up all my un, ungodly friends and all that? No, I'm not saying that. But see, you live a life that is an example. Not one that just kind of blends in, right? Where you just kind of, eh. And maybe you can't, at the moment, you can't tell the difference between the two. Until... You pop out and I'm at church today. Oh, yeah. Now I can tell the difference. But see, oftentimes what happens is we tend to blend in so much because, you know, we don't want to offend anybody. We don't want to get anybody mad at us. We don't want anybody. I, I, I get it. But see, that's where we have to understand that we've been called and set apart. Right? Different. Different. But here's the thing, too. They have to realize this, okay? This is not, it has to do, your calling isn't going to have to do, or it's not, it has to do with your performance, in a sense, okay? It's not you trying so hard to get things done. It's you being confident and being able to say, okay, if the Lord's place is on my heart with me, like, okay, man, you, uh, let me just give my example again about just pet greeting. You, you might think, man, no, I'm one of the worst people you would ever want me to greet, Lord. I'm sour. I've been sucking on lemons all week. Just, ah, I'm just, ah, right? And he says, no, I want you to do that. Help out today because they need help. What? And so you go and you do it. So the, so the Lord, Lord's, and, and maybe you're, you're a little grumpy. Okay? And you're not as smiley as you're supposed to be, you know, and you go, wow, I wish I could be like, you know, one of, the, one of our, our greeting team more. That's why I'm so bad at this. No, it's not about imperfection. It's about the fact that, you know what, you can grow into it. I had no clue how to be a campus pastor when they asked me. I know how to do children's ministry. But, they, but I'm growing into it, right? And so it's, it's just you being available. That's the key. Yeah, I, will you be available? But see, we just have to know that we have to align ourselves to how what God wants to do and work through us. Now, I'm going to give you a couple of scriptures here that are just going to give you some examples of what, about like kind of walking worthy, but we're, we'll get into it a little bit more. First Timothy chapter three, verse one through two. Um, this is Paul talking to Timothy, and he, he's just going to give some ideas, kind of like what we talked about before a little bit in that um, Ephesians scripture. But it says, the, 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 the saying is true and irrefutable, okay? So he's just saying, hey, you can't argue this. So no arguing, right? No arguing. He says this, if any man eagerly seeks the office of a bishop, superintendent, overseer, he desires an excellent task or work, right? 
Okay, now I, I, you can look at that and say, oh, well, man, I don't, I don't really want to be an overseer, right? Or I really don't want to be, um, what was the other thing they used here? A superintendent. I really don't want to be that. But you know what? I can, I can help uh, count money or I can help, you know, in children's ministry. Or I can help in youth ministry or I can help somewhere. I can, I can do something. So just throw yourself in the mix of this thing, okay? It says he desires an excellent task. So that means, you know what? It's excellent that you would be involved. Hey, what was that? Bill and Ted's Big Adventure. Remember, I'm dating myself probably, right? But they always go, excellent, party on, or whatever. Anyways, <laughs> sometimes this stuff just comes out of my head. Anyways, it says, now a bishop, superintendent, or overseer must give no grounds for accusation. Must give no grounds for accusation. That means that nobody could, should be able to accuse you of something, but must be above reproach. The husband of one wife, circumspect and temperate and self-controlled. He must be able to be sensible, well-behaved, dignified, and lead an orderly, disciplined life. He must be hospitable, showing love for, um, let's see, showing love for and being a friend to the, to the believers, especially strangers or foreigners, and be able, a, a capable and qualified teacher. Now, you might look at that and say, well, man, I... You fit somewhere in there. You might not say, oh, I'm not a teacher, but you fit somewhere in there, right? And so he's trying to just give us the understanding that, you know what? We have to walk deliberately, deliberately in what God wants us to walk, how he wants us to walk in in a, a, a way that is different than anyone else, that it sets us apart. But see, that's us walking in alignment, knowing that, hey, I'm called to something more. I'm called to do something for the kingdom, whether, whether that's vacuuming, whether that's preaching, whether that's teaching, whatever that is, you are called. But in that, we need to live a life that says, I'm separated from the flesh, the, the, the worldly things. And then here's the other thing. Can I just say this? You don't have to be perfect. Because right? a lot of times people say, no, well, no, you have to be absolutely 100% perfect in order to be to do any of those things. Yeah, God does have a standard. But see, you got to be working towards it. I think that qualifies you. If you're diligent enough to be working towards it, then you know what I think God can use you. And I'll give you an example, okay? Paul, in Philippians 3.12, this is what he says. He says, now that I, not that I have already attained or am already perfected. That's Paul, the apostle Paul, right? He says, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, like I am perfect now. He says, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. So Paul's expressing that although he is made perfect by the work of what Jesus has done, he's still not yet perfect in his development of his, his, his life of faith, in his, in his journey. So he's saying that, you know what, as long as I keep allowing the Holy Spirit to work in me, 
then I am being prepared. I am getting to the point where I will be all that God's called me to be. That's kind of refreshing to me because I think sometimes we strive so hard to be perfect. And when we fail, man, we just take the nosedive. Right? But see, God's not that way. He says, yeah, you failed, but hey, that's okay. Do you need to repent? Then repent. Do you need to get something squared away? Then get it squared away. But let's keep moving. Let's keep going. Let's keep doing something for, 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 for the kingdom's sake. And so... He says, you know what, even though all this is happening, even though, you know, there are things where sometimes maybe I'm not perfect. He's all, but I keep pressing on. I keep going forward. I keep trying to lay hold of that which God has called me to as a kingdom leader. Just right there, that, that, that should encourage us. But see, and what, what did Paul do, right? He went out and he evangelized. He did missions work. He did all these things in in order to to reach his world, right? He wrote the books of the Bible. And then he did all these things at at that. Then he's writing letter to the churches. So he's helping build the churches up too. He's encouraging the churches up too, right? He's doing all of this stuff. But but here's the thing. Because he says it right here. He says, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Why did he lay hold of Paul? To do all of those things. So why has he laid hold of you? To do all those things. In your own way. In your own ability. See, he laid a hold of my life. He laid hold of your life in order for us to do something for the kingdom. It's not us to sit back And going, praise God I'm saved. This is awesome. Sitting on my hands. No. He laid hold of Paul so that Paul could fulfill his calling. He's laid hold of each one of us so that we can fulfill what he's placed in our life. The gifts and the talents and the abilities for us to be able to use for the kingdom. That's why Jesus laid hold of you. One, yeah, he wants you to get to heaven. Right there, number one, right? But I think kind of tied to that 1A, really close, is so that you'll be used of the kingdom. So that you'll say, yeah, man, I got gifts, I got talents, I got something in me that wants to just do something for the Lord. Okay, then it says in in Philippians 3.14, he says, I press toward the goal for the prize, of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I, I'm looking at this, and yes, the prize is to get to heaven, right? We get to heaven, man, it's going to be glorious. But I also think the prize is what you're called to. Because remember, you're not called to sit on your hands. You're called to something. And Paul said, man, I, I'm pressed towards that, right? I'm pressing towards the goal to the prize. The prize is its calling itself. It's your ability to work with God for his kingdom purpose. That's the prize. And, and we have to look at it. Are we grudgingly or have this kind of weight that says, ah, 
I don't know. I, I just can't be involved in church. I mean, I can come on a Sunday, but man, I can't pass out bulletins. Like, ah, this is grudging, right? Or are we looking and saying, oh, Lord, how do I get to partner with you today? How, how, what, what do I get to do? Because I want to partner with you. Because the prize is not just me getting to heaven. The prize also is me doing whatever it is you called me to do in the moment you've called me to do it. But see, we have to change our, our, our thinking about that. And so we can't let it be a weight. We can't let it be uh, grudgingly or doing something. No, it's our opportunity then to be able to say, oh my gosh, I get to partner with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the God who created heaven and earth. He wants to partner with me. Right? Think about that. He wants to partner with you. He wants to see you do things for the kingdom of God. And so I'm going to get to my three truths real quick here. I know you're like, oh my gosh, come on, Pastor Scott, but hey, it's good stuff. Okay? So the very first point I want to get to, how are we going to get there? Okay? Three truths that will help you and I walk worthy of the call of God in our lives. The very first one is a renewed mind. Okay, and I know you've heard this a thousand million times and you'll hear it a thousand million times more. A renewed mind is so important. Okay, for us to walk worthy of a on a consistent basis, we have to take the seed of God's word, right? And plant it in our heart by renewing our mind because it's God's word that will change everything about your life. It has the power to do that, Okay. And this word renew basically means to replace. It replaces your old thinking with new thinking. It replaces your old thinking with God's thinking. And, and our, our whole brain is like a computer. And God's word really is the original software for us to run on. It's, it, that's how it works. Romans chapter 12 verse 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world. But be transformed, right? So right there, you can tell, man, you can kind of change the hardwiring. You can change the viruses. You can change the things that are in your thought processes just by taking the original um, setup or the, the original software and placing it back inside in your thoughts. He said, be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So man, that helps us to be able to grab a hold of God's word and it helps us to be able to say, okay, what is the will of God for me? Oh God, you, you want me to do what? Oh, okay. Well, I'm not even going to allow my stinking thinking or my, my negative thinking or my grudgingly thinking like, ah, I'm going to think, okay, I get to partner with you, right? Because when you have the word of God inside of you, that's what, how it opens up. Everything's about how do I, how I'm partnering with him. And so we have to understand that, that our thoughts in our life are transformed by the meditating on God's word, okay? And he wants us to change the way we think so we can access everything that he has for us, right, in our calling so that we can become a kingdom leader. Because without God's word, we'll talk ourselves out of it. Ah, I don't got time. 
I don't, not gifted enough, not talented enough. I don't think I could pull that off. But the key is, is God's word is what's going to get you there. But we have to renew our mind to it. So meditation of God's word is vital to our success as kingdom leaders, as called leaders, as born leaders. Psalms chapter one, verse two and three says this, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, his precepts and teaching, he habitually meditates day and night. Habit. It's a habit, right? It's got to be a habit. You got to have God's word moving in your life. You're going over it. Okay? And he will be, this is you guys and me, and he will be like a tree firmly planted and fed by the streams of water which yields its fruit in season. Remember we talked about kind of the fruit thing. We're supposed to be bearing fruit, right? And so if we got God's word flowing in our heart or whatever, and I love this too, it, does, it says in season. So that doesn't mean, you know, you're committed forever, right? Because I remember recruiting for children's ministry and everyone always thought, if Pastor Scott comes and asks me to do it, that means he means forever, No, it's not forever, but it might be for a season, right? And sometimes that season goes a little longer than sometimes, you know, you anticipate. But see, as long as you're being sensitive to what the Lord's leading you to do, he'll take care of everything. He'll make sure it all works out. You'll never miss a step, okay? But he says, yields its fruit in season. Its leaf does not wither, and in whatever he does... He prospers and it comes to maturity. So the one who prospers in whatever they do is one who is faithfully meditating on God's word. That's what it's saying. Okay? Because when you meditate, then it produces the fruit God has called you to produce. And you walk into it easily. Not, ah, I'm so apprehensive about this. No. Because I've got God's word just, you know, flushing all this stuff out of me. And it's working and it's changing my thinking. And then when the opportunity comes, man, I'm right there. And it might be, again, it might be for one week. It might be for one hour. Or it could be longer. But see, are you doing something with what's presented to you? Are you grabbing it with your hands and saying, okay, I'll do the best I can with it. And the Lord's all, that's all I'm asking. That's all I want you to do. I'm not asking you to be the genius, you know, the wily coyote, super genius. I'm not asking you to be that, even though he never got the roadrunner, right? <laughs> He's like, dude, when are you going to give up, bro? Come on, man. Anyways, okay. But what we have to understand, he, he, he's just looking for people who are available. But see, it, it, sometimes it's just getting ourselves to that place where we're allowing scripture to change what's in our heart and our thinking so that we can, we can live out what he's asking us to do. So we have to renew our mind, right? The benefits of that, it will, it will uh, strengthen our spirit. It will bring maturity. It will help uh, us to fulfill God's will and call for the kingdom uh, on our life. Um, and it will cause us to learn and think the way God learns. I mean, the way God thinks and the way even God speaks. And so it's going to make your faith stronger so that you can fulfill what God's called you to. The second point is adopt a new standard of living. 
Adopt a new standard of living. Again, in Ephesians 4, we talked about how Paul is writing on the basis of our position in Christ. Okay. But he, he lays out this kind of standard of living practices. Okay. That are appropriate for us. Ephesians 4. Remember, we're supposed to, in 4 through 6, this is how you're supposed to walk it out. It says, but that's no life for you. This is in the message version, okay? So he says, that's no life for you. So a life, life um, style of, 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 of worldliness, right? Of the way the world lives, the, the practices that they practice. Um, it says, you learned Christ. My assumption is that you have paid careful attention to him. That's to Jesus. Um, been well instructed in the truth precisely as we have it in Jesus. Since then, we do not have the excuse, since then, we do not have the excuse of ignorance. Everything, and I do mean everything, connected with the old way of life has to go. So he said, you know, you can't be ignorant. Well, if, you're, if you're in the Word, if you're meditating on the Word, Ignorance doesn't play into it anymore. But see, that's what he's trying to say. You, you just can't be, oh, I didn't know. Man, I've given you the instruction manual. Crack it open, right? So he says, since then, we do not have the excuse of ignorance. Everything, and I do mean everything, connected with the old way of life has to go, right? You got to put off the old man. He says, it's rotten through and through. Get rid of it. That's, that's our struggle though, right? Sometimes I talk to people and that's their struggle. I, I, I just can't, I don't, I don't want to get rid of these things. But see, Paul says, man, no, we have, we're called to a different level, right? A, a different lifestyle. And we need to let go of some of these things. And he says, it's rotten through and through. And he says, then take on an entirely new way of life. Put on a new man and a God-fashioned life, okay? One that he created for you for obedience. A life renewed from the inside. That means the Holy Spirit's at work in you. And working itself into your conduct as God accurately produce, reproduces his character in you. So God is actively trying to reproduce his character in you, but we have to continue to stay open to allow him to do that and not dig our heels in and be stubborn, and say, no, I'm not going to do that, right? It's that picture of, you know, the potter and, 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 and the, the potter's wheel and the clay. You know, he's trying to mold us and shape us into what he wants us. But what happens if the, the potter was to try to do that to the clay and the clay just said, no, you ain't doing that to me today. You ain't shaping me into a vase because I don't want to be a vase. I want to be a big, huge planter pot. Well, no, I'm going to shape you into a vase. No, not going to happen. And then, you know, as you're the pot, you try to jump off. You get my example, I hope. <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's just us being sometimes just so like, I'm not going to do that. But see, he's saying, no, I want to shape you into exactly what I've called you to do and be. And so we've got to be able to walk in a different way than what the world walks around us. It's like, you know, basically it's like we've got to change clothes. See, I, I put it this way. A prisoner, right, who's in, in jail or in prison wears an orange jumpsuit. 
Well, when the prisoner gets out of jail, he doesn't keep wearing the orange jumpsuit. He, 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 he doesn't walk around and he's out and he just keeps the orange jumpsuit on because, you know what, I was in prison and, you know, I, I'm just still going to kind of live that way because I've just been in prison. And I just, you know, no. See, when we accept Christ, that's like taking that orange jumpsuit off, right? When the prisoner gets out, he's back in civilian clothes. He's free to walk about where he is, where he wants to go. Well, except if you've got a parole officer, right? But anyways, you know, it's, it's one of those things where they just, there's more freedom. You don't have that freedom when you're in prison. You don't have that freedom. But so we have to like take off this old clothes, this old man, and put on the new clothes, which is Jesus, which is the Holy Spirit working in our life. And we begin to walk in, in freedom, And so that, if we would just grab that, then you know what? We don't have to live by worldly standards. We just don't. Romans chapter 8, verse 12 through 14 says this. So then, beloved ones, that's all of us. The flesh has no claims on us at all. If you're in Christ, the flesh should have no claims on you. And we have no further obligation to live in obedience to it. Man, why do we always feel like we have to? I mean, I'm talking straight up with you. Even as a pastor, my flesh wants to, to control. And, and it says right here, you know what? I, I, I don't even have to be obligated to my flesh. But man, my flesh tries to drive things sometimes, doesn't it? it tries to get you whatever. But man... Just understand that, you know, you don't have to be obligated to your flesh anymore. Verse 13, for when you live controlled by the flesh, you are about to die. Okay? It ends in death. That's what I was talking about. But if the life of the Spirit puts to death the corrupt ways of the flesh, that's the Holy Spirit working in you and the Word of God renewing in you and you're making decisions based on the standard that God wants you to live, it says, we then taste His abundant life. Verse 14, the mature children of God are those who are moved or led by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. So then being led by the Spirit is, set up, is a set-apart lifestyle that involves, one, involves one's progressively putting to death their sinful appetites. And so we have to understand, we have to live according to the standard God set, not according to the standard that we set. See, that's where it gets backwards sometimes because we get it. Oh yeah, I understand God's word says that. I totally get it, but I'm still going to live by my standard. And see, that's still, that's wrong because God wants us to live according to his standard. And as a leader, um, living by God's standard is what gives us credibility. If you're going to be a leader in the kingdom of God, you got to live by God's standard, right? Because Credibility is the uh, currency of leadership. If you're credible, then you know what? You have, you have a, a certain place right there. There's something about you that's different. But see, if we're wishy-washy and all over the map and just kind of our life sometimes is this, sometimes that, whatever it is, then you know what? You have lost your ability to lead. Because who wants to look up to somebody who's all over the map? Who wants to follow you if you're all over the map and just kind of here, there, you know, up and down? 
Is, it, is, that, is Pastor Scott up today or is he down today? Ah, I don't know. See, we have to understand that, you know what? We have to live by this standard that God has created for us. And when we do that, then we have credibility to lead people. Let me give you the last one. Be about kingdom stewardship. Be about kingdom stewardship. So we're talking about how do I walk worthy of the calling that God's given to me? Be about kingdom stewardship. So the key element in carrying out God's kingdom agenda is our stewardship of what he has given to us. Again, like I said, he's given each one of you gifts and talents and designed you for specific work. And when we're a steward, right, we need, we need to learn how to be just good stewards of what he's given to us, what he's deposited in us. Because stewardship can be defined as this. It's defined as protecting and expanding the assets and resources of another. And a kingdom-minded person, right, first off knows that God owns it all. Okay? He owns even your gifts and abilities. He's the one that gave it to you. We learned last week it's by the grace of God that he's given you these gifts. Right? But he's given you these gifts and talents. A kingdom-minded person then looks for ways to expand God's assets, right? Looks for a way to, to expand God's assets that he deposited, the gifts and the talents he's deposited in you instead of burying them like we talked about last week. If I'm kingdom-minded, if I am a steward of what God's given me to do, then you know what? I show up here every Sunday. And I preach the best I can preach to you. And I study and show myself approved and do all that I can. If I, because I'm trying to use whatever gifts and whatever talents that I feel like I'm still trying to explore and figure out. But I'm using it. Right? That is being trying to be a good steward of what God's given me to do. But see, in our own life, we have to look at it and say, okay, well, Lord, what, what, what am I supposed to steward? And he says, well, you know what? I gave you the ability to do this. Why aren't you doing it? I mean, if he was frank, right? If he was very like in your face, he might say, well, why aren't you doing it? Well, <laughs> you know, um, and, we, and we have to understand that we've, we, we've, our whole goal has to be, you know what? I need to expand the kingdom. I need to expand and, 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 and allow the kingdom of God to grow through my life. So the question then becomes, are you giving God's kingdom a quality return on the resources he has blessed you with? And I'm not talking just money. I'm not talking that. I'm talking about your talents and your abilities. Are you giving the kingdom a good return on the resources he deposited in you? See, I, I can't lead worship or beans. I can't sing at all. Okay, so the Lord wouldn't ask me to be a worship leader. Well, he might. Who knows? You never know. He just would probably go like this the whole time. But 
But see, other people are gifted with that. I can't play guitar, a lick. But other people are gifted with that. Praise God for that, right? I, I, you know, I see Miss Amy, and she's up here playing keyboard. I can't play a lick on the keyboard. But he, here's the me. I didn't even talk to Miss Amy. I hope she's okay with it. But he, he, here's the thing. What is so awesome about Miss Amy is right now, she can't, she's blind. Yet every single Sunday that she can be here, what is she doing? She is using her gift. She is using her talent. She is being a good steward. Yet a lot of us, oh, well, I got to get up early. Oh, that's tough. I don't know. I don't know if I can do that. Oh, Pat's, what? I, I applaud this lady. Every single Sunday, I am so blown away with the gift that God has given her. Besides that, she can sing too, right? But she, she could just sit there and go, nah, not doing it. Not going to do it. No. It's like, man, you got a gift in it to come. Come and bring it, right? So she's being a good steward of what God has placed in her life to be able to play keyboard and to sing. Praise God, Miss Amy. Thank you for letting me use you as an example. Yeah, give her a clap. So we have to, under, have to look at it. Am I giving to God? And is, is the kingdom getting all of the return that it's supposed to get? Or is it just getting my leftovers? See, and I, I don't feel like I'll just use Amy again. I don't feel like she's giving her leftovers. She's given all that she has to the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is getting the resources back to say, yeah, Amy, I'm going to use you. I'm going to whatever. Because, man, it's, it's important, right? I mean, Russ fills in on keyboard, but, man, it's just different when Miss Amy's up there playing keyboard, right? It's, there's just something about it. You're like, okay. But, but, but see, uh, anyways, let me get to do another scripture real quick. Luke chapter 16. Okay, here's Jesus speaking a parable to the disciples, okay? And, um, it, and it's about a certain rich man who had stewards and he gave each of them the same amount. So this is a different one than we talked about last week. But he entrusted to them or entrusted to this one steward um, a bunch of stuff, yet an accusation comes back and the steward's not doing what he's supposed to do, okay? So the rich man or the steward's boss Okay, remember we said last week the guy who went away was Jesus? Okay, well, this guy goes away too, so we, it's Jesus again, right? But this is what happens. He said, so he called him and said to him, what is this I hear about you? Man, I don't want Jesus calling me and saying, hey, Scott, what's this about you, right? Because then he says this, give an account of your stewardship, for you can no longer be steward. Man, that's really tough. You're like, oh, man, that's hard. But, 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 but that's, not, that's not the point I want to get to. The point I want to get to is every single one of us is going to hear that phrase at one point when we see Jesus. Give an account of your stewardship. Now, this is not talking about you losing your salvation, you losing, you know, your, your place with Christ or whatever. That's not talking about. This is talking about what did you do with the things I gave you to do while you were here on earth? So, He's, he's, he's calling it about. He, this is both for the saint and the sinner. What did you do 
with the gifts and the talents and the abilities I've given to you. Did they go to waste? But all of us are going to have to give an account. All of us are going to have to walk through this thing. And we'll have to give an account regarding our time, our resources, our our treasure, our influence. Did we use any of it for the kingdom of God? And there's this passage in, in, in there's a portion of scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I'm going to read it to you. But, but it says that God will test your works by fire. Will, will, will what you're doing for the kingdom right now stand up? If, if he were to come and want to test it by fire today or tomorrow. Let me give you this, this portion. It's in the Passion Translation. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. It says, the quality of materials used by anyone building on this foundation will soon be made apparent. So what he's talking about the foundation is Christ. Okay? Whether it has been built with gold, silver, and costly stones, or, so there's, there's two things here, or wood, hay, and straw. Their work will soon become evident. Again, remember, this is not about working. This is not about works in order to get into the kingdom. You're, these people are already saved. They're on this, this moment. They're before the Lord. It says their works will soon be evident for the day will make it clear because it will be revealed by blazing fire and the fire will test and prove the workmanship of each builder. Who's the builder? You, me, you, all of us. Verse 14. If his work stands, the test of fire, it will be what? Rewarded. If his work is consumed by the fire, he will suffer great loss. Yet he himself will barely escape destruction like one being rescued out of a burning house, right? So he's still saved. But if you get out of a burning house, what's happening? You just lost everything. And so he's saying there's a difference here. There, there's, there's a big difference. And so, what I'm trying to get across to us is, what, what are we doing right now? Is, is the work that we're doing, is it motivated by our flesh? Is it motivated out of a, a feeling of, um, you know, well, that's just what a Christian does. And not really out of the heart being led and following the Lord. Okay? So when, when, we, when we're doing it out of our flesh, that's the, the wood, the hay, and the stubble. See, it, it gets this picture that, you know what? Even me, okay? I'm, I'm just going to throw the bus on me. I'm going to roll my, over myself. Even me, I could get to heaven, and he could sit before that day, and he puts up all my works, everything I did. And you can look at that, and whatever was not what I was supposed to do, even though I thought it was a great idea, gone. What? I spent, what? Not that I'm losing my salvation, but I, I'm not being rewarded because I was doing things in the flesh. I was doing things that, that were not motivated for the kingdom of God or led by the Spirit of God. But see, when I put, do things that are led by the Spirit of God and I, I fit myself and being obedient to whatever is set before me, to whatever God gives me with my abilities and the talents, then you know what? Once I'm there, then you know what? Everything that, that puts before the Lord will be 
gold, precious stone, and it will, it will go up to the fire and it won't be touched. And the Lord goes, you're rewarded. So I, I run the risk just as much as you guys do. So that's where I have to continually keep my heart right and keep my heart in this position that says, Lord, I, I want to follow you. I want to make sure that I'm in line. I'm in target with what you're trying to say. And so it's important that we just recognize we need to be good stewards. So if he were to come and he was asked, hey, you know what? What's in your hand? What have you been doing? Well, you know, um, it's time, to, time to, to look at it. He's not going to do it right now, you know, unless he comes back now. But we have to understand that, you know what? This is serious stuff to him. Otherwise, he wouldn't even talk about it. Right? It wouldn't be in the Bible when it comes to what God has asked us to do as called leaders. So I want to give you one last scripture. And if somebody from the worship team want to come up, that would, that would be great. And this one's from the Apostle Peter, who is urging us to walk worthy of our call. And, and I think it's just a, an appropriate one because it really is all-encompassing. Uh, I think I read it last week, but it, it just, for me, it it's just solidifies that every one of us have something to do in the body of Christ, whatever, whatever that looks like. And so 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11 says this, every believer, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm pointing, that speaks to all of us, right? Every believer has received grace gifts. So use them. Another translation says, so minister them, right? A minister doesn't mean you have to stand up on a pulpit. Minister is, man, you just touch the person that you're directly in contact with. It says, so use them to serve one another as faithful stewards of the many colored tapestry of God's grace. For example, if you have, now listen to this. For example, if you have a speaking gift, Speak as though God were speaking his words through you. Okay, I'm going to stop right there. You know, you might think, well, man, I'm not called to preach up here on a Sunday. Yeah, but you know what? You still might be able to explain something to a, to a, a five-year-old about who Jesus is or a, a eight-year-old or 11-year-old or a 17-year-old or maybe a, you know, um, millennial You have, you have the ability to speak. That's why he gave you a voice. And it doesn't have to be deep theological, oh, exegesis and all this stuff. It just has to come from a heart of the Father for people. But then, okay, so you might think, okay, well, yeah, but that still throws me out of the picture, Pastor Scott. No, that's not me. It says, then he says this. If you have the gift of serving... You all have a gift of serving, just so you're aware. I'm going to verify that right now. You have the gift, 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 you have the gift. You have the gift. Didn't want him to, you know, feel left out. Okay? But if you have the gift of serving, listen to it. Do it passionately with the strength that God gives you. Oh my gosh, I look at that. And I think, you know what, sometimes, like, because we want to discount ourselves. 
But it says right here, if you do it passionately, if you just jump in, God will give you the ability to do it. God will give you the strength to do it. Like I said, I hated kids. I didn't want to do children's ministry. No, sir, Bob, right? You got the wrong dude, bro. But he said, you know what? If you do it, I'll change your heart. 22 years later, whatever long it was. But see, that, that's, that's the thing we have to understand. If we would just give in to what God is leading in our hearts to do, man, he'll give you every resource, every ability, everything you need, even if you don't think you have it. But you have the ability to serve some way, somehow. Then it says, so that, right? So he's saying, man, you know what? Teach if you can teach. Serve if you can serve. The reason why you're doing this not because Pastor Scott asked you to. Not because, you know, whatever. The reason why you're doing this. So that in everything, God alone will be glorified through Jesus Christ. When you serve in some capacity, when, you're, when you do and you're, you properly steward the gifts and ability that God's given you, who gets the glory? It shouldn't be you. It should be Jesus. It should be God. So it says, For to him belong the power and the glory forever throughout all the ages. So when we use our gifts, God gets the glory. Because he gave them to you. And he's all, this doesn't happen in heaven. At least I don't think so. But he's like, hey, Gabriel, check it out. Pastor Scott's using his gift. Oh my, yes. That's why I put it in him. That's why I gave it to him. Now that doesn't happen. I'm, well, at least I don't think, right? But see, I think he gets excited when we identify those gifts and abilities and then we start to put them in the, the proper places in the body of Christ. But it's so important for us just to be able to say, okay, what am I, am I really stewarding the gifts and ability that God's given me to do? Only you can answer that. But man, I, I look at that for me personally and I think, oh, I've got so much more to work on. So much more to do. So much more to put into place. And so I just want to challenge you. Think about it. Are you stewarding the gifts and the talents and the ability that God has given to you to further the kingdom of God and so that God gets all the glory. Because he laid hold of you for a reason. Just like he laid hold of Paul. And he said, okay, I see the gift in you. And I've got the perfect thing I want you to do. Even if it's for a season. Even if it's for 50 years. Whatever it is. Y'all don't say 50. Whatever it is. God has a purpose and a plan. You are born to be a leader in the kingdom of God. And all we've been trying to do is challenge you, right? To take another step up. To say, okay, how? And like I said before, as, as, as I end this before I pray, you know, I'm still convinced 100% what three weeks ago where the Lord spoke to my heart and said, it's time to rebuild. It's time to go back and go after what I've called this campus to do in this community, in this area. And so I'm locked into that. 
And man, I, 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 I pray that your heart would rally around that as well. And that you would say, Lord, I, I don't see it. Show it to me. And I believe he'll show it to you. But be ready. Because he might ask you to step into something. You're just maybe, ah. But he wouldn't do it unless he's already gifted you with the talent and the ability to do it. It's not so that you're glorified, but so that he's glorified in heaven. Bow your heads. Lord Jesus, we are so grateful for all that you're doing, all that you're saying, all that you're speaking. I thank you for stirring us, Holy Spirit. Lord, where, uh, wherever this lands in, in each of our hearts today, um, Holy Spirit, I, I thank you that you stir the water. <laughs> much, much like that picture of the guy who, who, who needed to be healed and he had no one to pick him up and carry him to the water where the water would swirl when the angel, the Bible said the angel would come down and touch it. And then Jesus comes along. Oh Lord, I, I, just, I just pray that, that Holy Spirit, you, you would help us to understand that we don't need someone else to pick us up. We just have you and that you'll bring us to a place where we, we can jump in and dive into what, what you want. And know that you, you'll put all the pieces together. And so continue to work on our hearts. I pray for this week. I, I thank you again, Lord, for, for healing. Like we prayed in the beginning uh, before I spoke. Thank you for healing bodies. Thank you for bringing wholeness and health to them. But I pray that this week would be an, a, a week of even more um, revelation of who you are. That, Lord, each of us would understand that we are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. That we can rest in who we are in him. And then we can walk out a, a, a walk that's worthy of the calling that you've placed in our life. And that we would say yes when you call. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you guys so much for being here. I'm sorry I went a little late today. But uh, hopefully you were blessed. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.